This podcast is supported by Starglow Media's Mysteries About True Histories. From the creators of the hit top-ranking kids educational podcast in the world, Who Smarted, the Emmy-nominated Nat Geo Disney Plus's Brain Games and Netflix's Brainchild, comes Mysteries About True Histories, affectionately known as M-A-T-H, or math, in which kids ages six and up can hear humorous and educational stories that follow two best friends, Max and Molly, while they go on adventures through time, solving puzzles, hidden equations, talking about history, and making learning cool. Episodes transport listeners to moments in history like Pythagoras's ancient Greece, the era of the Aztecs, Sir Isaac Newton's England, and more. When I drive my son to school in the morning, we listen to these episodes that fit perfectly in our commute, with the episodes being about 15 minutes long. And this podcast is right up my son's alley because he loves to solve problems and happens to love math and the types of punny jokes that Max likes to tell. So tune in to Mysteries About True Histories with your kids. You can follow and listen on Apple Podcasts or wherever you get your pods. Welcome to Mom and Mind. I'm perinatal psychologist and host, Dr. Kat. There is more to the story than just postpartum depression. This podcast aims to share it all, from personal stories and lived experience to experts who break down the ups and downs of life from getting pregnant, pregnancy, perinatal loss, and postpartum adjustment to new parenthood. While this is not psychotherapy or medical advice, it is all of the stuff you ever wanted to know about mental health and new parenthood. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Mom and Mind podcast. I am your host, perinatal mental health certified psychologist, Dr. Kat. I am really excited for this episode. We hear so much about rage in motherhood and very specifically here on our podcast, Postpartum Rage. And we're really going to dig into this today to get a sense of what's happening, why it happens, what it feels like, and what you can do about it. Our guest today, Erica Jossa, is a registered psychotherapist, sought after maternal mental health specialist, and founder of Happy as a Mother. She has been practicing for over 10 years and is a regular media contributor. She helps women adjust and manage the load of motherhood with her popular Happy as a Mother podcast, Instagram platform, and online therapy services. She is passionate about supporting moms and helping them embrace their motherhood journey. Erica is a Toronto-based mother to three rambunctious boys, and she can often be found sharing insights in her Instagram stories. So let's get into it and meet Erica. Welcome, Erica. I'm so excited to have you on and actually to get to know you and have our audience get to know you. I'm sure they already do because your podcast and your work is just so popular and people are resonating with it so much. So yeah, I'm grateful for you to share today with us a little bit more about rage and how that impacts people. So thanks for being with us. Thank you for having me here. It's a little bit of a role reversal for me. I'm in the hot seat. I'm not used (laughs) to it, but uh, I'm so appreciative to be here and excited to chat. Right. Yeah. So we are going to get into it. Let's talk about rage and rage in mothers. And we're going to try and go through the gamut of what that looks like, how it shows up and how it feels. So if you can kind of start for us with what you're seeing and what you're hearing about what rage is for mothers. Yeah. Well, I think a really great place to start too is like why mom rage, 
right? Mm-hmm. And that was something mm-hmm. we clarified. Are we are we talking to mothers here? Are we talking to parents? Like, are we gendering this? And this is a mm-hmm. big conversation that comes up. Yep. But I think that it's so important for us to talk about rage in the context of motherhood because mm-hmm. the ideals and perfect mother myths that we have internalized in our brain tell us that we need to be nurturing. We Mm -hmm. need to be gentle. And I feel like gentle parenting is really even reassuring this even more deeply in us, you know, that Mm -hmm. a good mother is patient, kind, nurturing. And so when we step into motherhood and we experience anger or moments of rage, it is counter the ideal we're trying to embody. And so when we're talking mom rage and when I speak mom rage with um, my community, we do come at it speaking with moms because we're often stifled in how we're allowed to express our anger, aren't we? Right. Absolutely. Right. People aren't readily telling others, oh, I'm feeling rage today because you're not supposed to, quote unquote, feel bad feelings somehow or another (laughs) all of a sudden. Yeah. And so that's what I found. And I opened up a question box in my polls to ask moms, okay, like, what is it about anger that is so triggering? Why is this so hard for us to talk about and and normalize? And there's just such a deep shame that the idea of even saying it out loud is difficult. Um, One of the moms had said to me, when I felt these feelings, it made me feel like I made a mistake becoming a mother. I must not be maternal enough because I feel this anger and rage, whether it's at our role in motherhood, whether it's directly at our child in moments of tantrums or something like that. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And so there is just such an amount of shame that paralyzes people that I think it's just such an essential topic to, to teach on and have resources for. Yeah, absolutely. So I'd love to get into some examples and details so that people who are listening can really see if, yeah, this is what's happening for me. Because I really think that, you know, people are having an internal experience of the rage and and what it might feel like. They're not always expressing it outwardly, but sometimes they are, maybe often they are. Um, But what is like, or some examples of what it might feel like for a mom and what they might be experiencing. Anger is a part of our human experience, right? I often refer to it as a distress signal or an alarm or an alert that something is happening with us that we need to pay attention to. And so there's always something that is happening fundamentally underneath our anger, usually. And so and understanding that and normalizing it, we can become really curious about what the heck is going on here in a way mm-hmm. that is not uh, critical and judgmental and blaming right. ourselves. Right. And one of those ways is to really pause and evaluate what is our expression of anger? How, when we are angry, do we handle that anger? I teach a lot in our course uh, that Psyched Mommy and I have on what is your anger rule book? So we're raised in households that have this set of rules around emotions, right? particularly negative emotions, but all kinds of emotions. And we kind of get taught those patterns and that rule book gets handed on to us. 
And for women and anger, particularly BIPOC women or women of color who are already sort of like censored in how they can interact with the world, this rule book is different person to person and and how Mm -hmm. we learn to talk our way through this. And so in saying that, we learn how to deal with our anger in different ways. So um, a a typical example of rage might be an outward expression of anger. So I'm so furious, I'm slamming cupboards and I'm throwing things. And, you know, I just feel this very physical anger that I express outwardly. Whereas there might be more indirect forms of anger expression where I'm passive aggressively sharing my anger by gossiping about others or being passive aggressive or kind of, you know, placing blame or, or trying to uh, like indirectly express that anger. And then we also have inward expression of anger where I feel angry and rather than take it out on my spouse or my child or this the dog that I no longer have patience for in the postpartum period, mm-hmm. I actually take it out on myself by being very self-critical or by restricting or binging or by punishing myself with exercise or something like that. So anger is something that we all feel, but how we've learned to cope and manage and deal with it is different. And mm-hmm. it's often taught to us or handed to us through this anger rule book that we, we grow up with. Sure. I mean, those are fantastic examples. I really love that you're differentiating ways that it might show up for people because I, I think that that normalizes it in a way that, that this is a, a thing that we feel like you're giving examples that people can identify with, uh, which is so important. Why I think, um, you know, our work in podcasting specifically to be able to talk about it so people can hear it in their own time, realize that it's not just them is so incredibly important. Um, And one of the things I hear, I'm sure you hear quite a lot is why, why am I feeling this way? I don't know where it's coming from. I've never felt this angry. Those are some of the things for sure that I've heard. Um, Can you go into a little bit of a little bit more detail of what might be contributing to those feelings? Mm Mm-hmm. Definitely. I would call these like vulnerability factors or things that can kind of under underlie our, our anger and our anger expression. I will say before moving on that the, the expression that is most associated with shame and that we feel most guilty about is usually that outward expression, whether mm-hmm. it's physically throwing things or raising our voice and yelling. Uh-huh. Um, I feel like that outward expression is the one that has like such deep shame associated with it. And it can come in forms of just like verbally lashing out to actually like physically lashing out. So there's quite a like spectrum or continuum there in terms of how it can look. Uh-huh. This podcast is supported by Understood Explains. As parents, we are often having to figure out things as we go. And that is very true for our children's education. And to help you out, I want to tell you about a podcast called Understood Explains. This season is hosted by teacher and special education expert, Uliana Ortube, and she discusses all the things you'd want to know about individual education plans, or IEPs, what they are, why they're needed, who benefits from them, and what to expect when you have meetings with teachers. I could have really used this podcast when my son had an IEP for speech when he was six. I was overwhelmed trying to understand the process and what everything meant. The episode on Understood Explains, Does My Child Need an IEP? 
was the kind of info that would have really helped me get the most out of the educational support of the IEP for my son. And if you need that kind of support, I really recommend this podcast. To listen to Understood Explains, search for Understood Explains in your podcast app. That's Understood Explains. This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. So when we're talking vulnerability factors and the things that actually make us more prone to anger, there are several pieces. Um, But I also want to normalize again, one, anger is a part of our human experience. It makes sense that we get angry in situations with our child. We are not robots that are absence of feelings and emotions. And if my toddler is flailing and accidentally like socks me in the nose, of course, my body is going to react and respond to that. Our anger is hardwired into our nervous system and our fight or flight to protect us, to guide us and to alert us. And it's actually meant to serve us if we can learn how to understand it and become curious. Now, what types of things make us more vulnerable to rage or um, like reacting when we want to be composed and in control? Um, There's several different things. In early postpartum days, the amount of sleep that we're getting is Mm -hmm. a really big one. Um, Prioritizing sleep or having a plan for sleep with our partner in some way, like getting others involved in understanding how important our sleep is. Another one is um, like our, our mental health history. So I have ADHD and there is some impulse and regulation stuff there that might make me more prone to reactiveness. So understanding our mental health history is a part of it. And then there are even more basic vulnerability factors like, uh, like sleep, but our appetite, did we eat today? Have we had water? Mm -hmm. Have we had time for self today? Mm -hmm. Um, Are we overstimulated and touched out by our littles? And I often refer to my kids. There's, I have three boys. They were three Mm -hmm. and under when they were born. And now they are like seven, five and, and three or so. But I often refer to them in those early days as like trying to reattach their umbilical cord. Like (laughs) they were just constantly, Mm -hmm. I was touched out. Mm-hmm. And so that overstimulation and overwhelm is a very real part of our reactiveness as well. So there are several things um, that can like anxiety, depression, several things that can be under this picture as an iceberg. Like we've got our expression of anger that people can see, and that is an outward thing. And then underneath that iceberg, we've got all of these vulnerability and contributing factors that could play a role in this reactivity. Yeah. Yeah. It's quite uh, complex. Um, and also sort of straightforward, (laughs) like, oh yeah, I'm probably angry or feeling rageful because of any number of those things. And it could be all or one. And, especially when it, it's overwhelming and confusing and, and sort of scary for um, some people when it gets to like peak, peak rage feelings it can mm-hmm. be quite surprising and uh, shocking to feel that. 
and like the intersection between, oh my gosh, I'm feeling so, so angry at my child right now. And also uh, I'm not supposed to feel this way. I'm supposed Mm -hmm. to just love them all the time. (laughs) And and not that you don't love them, but sometimes you can not like what they are doing for Mm -hmm. sure. But, but that, that interface of I'm not supposed to feel this way. And also I feel this way is really hard to deal with. Yes. That narrative and that story we tell ourselves in those moments can serve to increase our distress or decrease our distress. Right. Mm -hmm. So Mm -hmm. if I am feeling really irritable, okay, we're coming out of like 10 days of quarantine. I was so sick of seeing everybody's face in my house that I was like ready to like move into the Mm -hmm. garage, you know? Yep. And, um, and in this time, if these irritable feelings that I was having, I was telling myself like, what kind of mom feels that way towards their children? This is the opposite of nurturing. You're supposed to be maternal. You're supposed to want to be with your children. I'm literally pouring gasoline on my distress in that moment. I am amplifying those uncomfortable emotions, right? Mm -hmm. Versus saying, okay, Erica, like this has been a really tough couple of weeks. Everybody needs a break. Everybody's fed up with each other in the house and we're going to reset and we're going to move past it. Like, I understand why you feel this way. That is like the equivalent of like holding my own hand, giving mm-hmm. myself a hug and saying, Love it. Mm-hmm. we're going to get through this. Yep. Right. Yep. One thing I will note though, is that the frequency and intensity at which this is happening is a really good thing for us to observe and become curious about. If we are waking up in the morning, irritable before we've even like put our feet on the floor out of our bed mm-hmm. and we already feel like we're at capacity. Mm-hmm. or the frequency at which we are raising our voice and losing our cool is like, there's no space and we feel stacked up of like, this is our only reaction that we go to. That for me as a professional is a really, uh, a really big sort of like red flag or like there's something else beyond um, just anger going on here because our capacity for just little things coming up is so low that there are other factors happening in this situation. Again, whether sleep deprivation, whether relationship satisfaction issues, whether depression or anxiety, but there's something there that is calling for us to pay attention to. But that's fantastic um, that you're you're bringing up that differentiation and and something to look at, um, especially for that like hopeless, helpless kind of feeling that comes up for people with this, uh, not knowing what to do or, or like going back to why this is happening, that maybe it's, yeah, maybe you do need some sleep, but let's say you've had those like two to three nights of solid sleep and it's still there. What are some, some of those types of indicators? And you mentioned for sure, if it's just not quite going away, or that's the only response, only reaction. What are some other things you think people can look out for and maybe can look out for? Yeah, there's a there's a couple of pieces here. One, as I think, as I had mentioned, the intensity at which we're feeling this and the frequency it, are really good indicators. Like how often mm-hmm. and how like all consuming does this feel? And two was something that you brought attention to is if we do some of the things that we know 
um, are helpful to rejuvenate our capacity or help restore us and give us some rest. Mm -hmm. If we do these and things are not improving, then that's also a red flag. So we, Mm -hmm. in our course, and even in my personal practice with clients use a framework called nests, which is nutrition. So did you eat today? Mm -hmm. Exercise, have you moved your body? Sleep. Have you had like some four or five hours of consecutive sleep? Time for self, even 15, 20 minutes. Have you showered? Have you cared for yourself today? And support. Have you had, you know, whether it's emotional support or physical support or various other types of support? And that's a really great framework to use because if we're feeling super ragey or we're feeling at capacity, and we don't know where to turn. That's that's the foundational, like that's the basics. Return right. to the basics, mm-hmm. dig in there yeah. first. If we go for a walk and we make some time for self, or we put on a podcast and we walk with our little in the stroller, we have something to eat and we feel the needle move on our mood a little bit. Even if it's not like magically we're hap- like happy and it's all unicorns, that's not what we're going for. But like, did we feel, you know, the needle move? Right then we're on the right track. But there are a lot of times that I have clients where they're doing all the things and then they're still really struggling with irritability and rage. And that is where I think it really calls us to dig a little deeper. And there's actually um, some research that came out of BC. Christine, I think it's Ooh, I believe her last name was. Oh my gosh, I might be getting that wrong. But she uncovered and put out in research for the first time that like anger is one of the most commonly overlooked symptoms of depression, right? And so if I'm seeing this frequency that is persistent, that nothing is really moving the needle and that this, like we're staying in this state for a prolonged period of time, it's not situational to like an individual stressor, but this is just kind of like how our mood is and how we're feeling these days then it's really time I would say to meet with your therapist or your provider or do a little bit of curious reflecting on, on what might be happening with you. For sure. You know, as you were saying that, do you know if that research was primarily with women? I think so. It may have even been with mothers. Oh, mm-hmm. don't quote me. It's been a little while since I've, <laughs> no just since I've read it. Yeah. No problem. <laughs> a part of the reason why I'm asking is because it, it is more known that anger is associated with men for depression. Yes. Um, but it is very um, telling about the pressure that we put on women that anger hasn't readily been an indicator of depression because mm-hmm. you're supposed to be happy. And if you're mm-hmm. angry as a woman, what does that mean about you? Right. It goes against you're, all those core yeah. things. You're just yeah. a, you know, a bee or you're like... <laughs> <laughs> on your period or some something that like discounts the fact that women can be angry too. Right. Like well, you're a hysterical woman that is overly mm-hmm. emotional and right. sort of these narratives, right? Yeah. Versus oh. that there's something very concretely happening mm-hmm. here. And uh, I openly talk about my experience with postpartum depression on my own like podcast and platform. And uh, I recount this very specific rage moment. Um, of mine where everything sort of came to a head for me. Mm -hmm. I was postpartum with my third baby. I had three babies, three and under. I had all three of them home. I was about eight to 10 weeks postpartum with my third. And 
the only thing that moved the needle for me at that time was movement. So I was desperately trying to get out the door to make it to a gym class in the morning. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Just picture this with me for a moment. Okay. I've got a car seat hanging on my arm. I've got a diaper bag filled with all the stuff to entertain the two toddlers. And I'm trying to get my freaking butt to the gym. I go out the door and I press, I have like a remote to open the the van door and the Mm. pulley system on the van snaps. And I'm like, of course, of course, like the kids are running wild. It's total chaos. I managed to get the door closed. Everyone loaded in. I'm like, I'm going to be like five minutes late, but I I'm going to make it there. Right. I'm driving to this freaking gym class and I get pulled over by a police officer. Yeah. Oh no. When I saw every shade of red, like I can't even tell you (laughs) the rage I experienced very uncharacteristic of me. This is another thing I hear from mothers. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. This is not like me. I've Mm -hmm. never been an angry person before. It feels like this like monster or something that is so unlike who I am. And I get pulled over by this police officer and I'm like, okay, now I'm clearly not making it to the gym, but he throws the book at me with like every single thing he can find. Like I wasn't wearing my glasses because I'd had LASIK and he like ticketed me for misrepresenting my license. What? He ticketed me for speeding, which was fine. And I have got three kids screaming in the back of the van. Mm -hmm. I thought I was going to like hulk mode lose it (laughs) right right? for sure and that was a pivotal moment for me this like um unraveling moment for me Mm -hmm. that was like Mm -hmm. this is not me this Mm -hmm. is unlike me this Mm -hmm. there's something else going on here if i needed the gym that desperately that all of these cascading things you know would send me over the edge like this Mm -hmm. there's something going on beyond my irritability at this point Yeah. Yeah. Thank you for sharing that. That is just so absolutely real. I mean, now you can kind of reflect on it and not feel that intensity, but in that moment, gosh, that is like next level feelings that, and now in that situation, especially like you can't go Hulk mode. There's a police officer Uh, right there. You are. Yeah. 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 It it like further suppresses um, all of that. There's no outlet for it. Yeah. And I think like the, like the cherry on top of the cake was I had like, I'd snarked back to the cop. Mm -hmm. I don't know what I said, but I gave him some real attitude and he was like, no, like I understand miss. Like he understood my situation, what I was dealing with. Okay. And I was like, no, the F you don't, you do not understand. (laughs) Like, you know, and it was just Mm -hmm. icing of this man looking at me in this situation, Mm -hmm. all the things that were happening saying, Mm -hmm. oh yeah, like I understand what you're going through. Mm -hmm. No, sir. (laughs) And everything sort of broke open in that moment, but thank God it did. My entire Mm. platform is actually Mm -hmm. birthed out of that moment. So for sure, if you're struggling, if you're listening and you're struggling, or you work with clients who struggle with this, uh, becoming curious and understanding and changing the narrative around this and getting the appropriate help can change everything for you. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. I, and I really hope that people can hear that point, um, especially because all of the things we've talked about really do leave people feeling um, helpless and hopeless and ashamed. And and especially those really, maybe if we can go back actually to this point of the most intense type of uh, rage feelings where it might actually involve your your kids, like the feeling that you have 
Um, and just to highlight an example for my, for my own journey, there were times where I would feel so enraged that I was like, I had like visions of throwing my kid against the wall mm-hmm. it was like the most intense anger I had ever felt. And then immediately after there's just this like flood of shame, mm-hmm. um, I, you know, put my kid down, walk away. Like I can't have this feeling and be holding a child. It was too, way too scary. And I didn't know what was happening at that point at all. Um, Mm -hmm. I just felt like a horrible monster type of a a person. I was so in there that I couldn't see that this was part of something else. Mm -hmm. So when, when people are sharing those types of examples with you, where it's probably taken a lot of courage just to mention it. Um, to you, right? Because it's yeah. like, uh, I can't say this. It, it's going to, like, somebody's going to call CPS or, you know, those kinds of fears. There come are up. some real fears. Yeah. 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 When it comes to raising kids, there's so much to consider. Things like, what do we feed them? When do we feed them? How do they sleep? What does it look like to raise kind kids? How does their nervous system work? How do I keep myself calm? What are my triggers? There's so much that comes into play. And we are distilling all of that information for you at Voices of Your Village podcast, where we bring experts in the field of early childhood and education and psychology and across the board so that you don't have to comb the internet for information. You get to show up and hang out and have shame-free, judgment-free conversations and insights into what it looks like to raise kind, empathetic, emotionally intelligent humans. I'm Alyssa Blask Campbell. I have a master's degree in early childhood education. I'm a mom of two, and I am walking this journey right alongside you doing this work. Come hang out with me at Voices of Your Village, and we can dive into real conversations with actionable tips. No one told us the truth about parenthood. Why? This is the podcast everyone needed before they had kids because now that those little ones are here, whew, there is a lot to unpack. I'm Rachel Shepardota, and I am your host for the podcast, No One Told Us, where we tell the truth about parenting and let you in on all the stuff you really should have known about before having kids. I am the founder of Hey Sleepy Baby, but this podcast is so much more than sleep. We'll be diving into all the topics that you really care about and need to know while you do your best job raising those adorable, tidy humans. Our goal is to just make you feel less alone and less overwhelmed. There are so many things that no one tells us before becoming a parent, and I think that we should really pull back the curtain on becoming a first-time or second-time mom or dad to share the good, the bad, and the ugly. We'll have a little education, a little fun, and a whole lot of heart that goes into each and every episode. So join me and our amazing guests each week to hear us talk about what no one told us. How do you help people understand that kind of intensity? It is, just to echo what you've said, I think that like every DM and message and comment and conversation I've had is pretty much word for word how you just described your own experience. I felt like a monster, like... I shouldn't have been a mom or how could I feel this way towards my child? Like I must not have been meant to be a mother. Like we're talking some of the depths of shame that we've ever experienced. Yeah. And one of the things that I've learned is that the real barrier here is not actually the tools to regulate the anger. Those tools are readily available. We teach them in our course. 
They're fairly simple. They're fairly easy to apply. Like it's not rocket science, the tools, but the shame to even admit or say, this is a problem that I need help with. Right, right. Keeps us underground and keeps us stuck in this anger. And when we're stuck in it and we don't get help for it, it grows bigger and bigger over time. For sure. Yep. So one of the very best things that you could do for yourself is find a trusted person, whether it's a friend who understands you. I would say finding the right person is important, like a, a maternal mental health specialist or perinatal mental health specialist who can understand because I've heard, you know, the fears of, of expressing these things, like intrusive thoughts about harming your baby. You need somebody who can understand and sit with you in that. And perinatal mental health specialists, you know, are trained to and should be able to, but just bring it out of the darkness because it festers and grows. And this monster becomes this thing that lives in this closet and is uncontrolled and, and festers. Whereas when we can work up the strength and the courage and have the right support system to be able to say, this is what I'm experiencing, getting past that hurdle is the hardest step. It makes me think of a quote that I had heard about how the the heaviest weight at the gym is the front door. The heaviest like weight or lifting that we're going to do here is getting over this hurdle of shame. The skills are... are relatively clear and straightforward from there. Right. Yeah, absolutely. I thank you for really bringing that home. It, it is that, that shame, a shame of any kind is very silencing, but again, that intersection of mother, child and fear and fear of whatever um, those it's, it's almost like the, the, the door becomes to use your analogy, just a bit heavier because there's a couple more things connected to it. Like mm-hmm. what kind of mother would do this? How can, what are people going to say and think? And, oh, it can be a real uh, labyrinth to, to try and get out of just to have that conversation. But I love that how you're describing that, that it is so important. That first step is really, really challenging for sure. But man, there's hope, right? People do turn from this and, and feel better. Um, and I know that you have a lot of those skills built into your course. Can you give us a little sense of what people can get from your course and how it might help them with some of these rage feelings? Yeah, absolutely. Like when we take the first step of acknowledging or or normalizing that anger is a part of our experience, then the work becomes about understanding how anger shows up in our body. Mm-hmm. It becomes about understanding how it's wired into our nervous system. And then it becomes about really concrete skills, actually, to regulate our nervous system in these moments of distress. In our course, we break it down as in the moment and out of the moment strategies. So we go through tons out of the moment. We call them like bubble wrap or protective strategies that you can be doing day to day proactively to get a better handle on your Um, anger, but also other big emotions that we might feel as well. And then we go through in the moment strategies, like grounding strategies, vagus nerve stimulation, 
really things that are rooted in understanding your biology and nervous system and how to regulate it, super concrete skills in that way. And while the skills themselves are simple, the path and the pattern that has been worn in our brain to default to these old ways is very just that ingrained and familiar and well-worn. Right. So applying these skills and practicing them takes time. It's like forging. We use this analogy of a cornfield, right? So we've got this well-worn path in my, what, 34 years, I've always walked this one path, right? And in this stage of life to decide, huh, I want to like pause and consciously do this differently. Well, that's going to feel a little difficult and clunky at first as I'm like forging this really uncomfortable path through these new stalks of this cornfield. But the more I do it, the more easy or consciously I can opt to go down that path and the more I can wear it in and it can become more the default or more second nature to me as I practice these skills over time. So in our course, we walk through all the things about your anger rule book. We lay a really good foundation for understanding your anger, but then we really get into these practical pieces as well so that you feel like you are in the driver's seat when it comes to how your body is, is reacting and responding. Oh, good stuff. I love that um, that body connection is in there, mm-hmm. especially um, and, and grounding in particular, because rage and anger, and, and to something you said earlier as well, rage and anger sort of give you this intense focus on just that moment. And it is so hard to see that the world is bigger than that moment in that moment. And you mentioned earlier how to bring context in, like, have I slept? Have I uh, had anything to eat? Like, what was my day like? And those kinds of things help it bring it out of just that, like, oh, I feel horrible, terrible, and I'm a bad person into like, oh, there's all of these reasons as to why I might be feeling this way, but it is really hard to get out of your head. It is very, very difficult that like bringing grounding exercises, bringing yourself into your full self rather than having what feels like a microscope on Mm -hmm. this anger is so important. The whole like going from micro to macro view of that moment and yourself and that, oh, I'm here and I'm present. Ooh, that's so important. That is so incredibly important. It helps reduce the shame too. Well, and when we're in our fight or flight response and we go, like we unpack all this, I nerd out on this stuff all day long. (laughs) I could go go through it. But the stress hormones that are released in our body actually cause that tunnel vision and Mm -hmm. us to really, like our, our pupils dilate, our body reacts and responds for fight or flight. Yep. And it serves as a really biological protective function for us. Uh, you know, if we're facing a threat or up against a predator or something like that. But when the person on the tunnel vision end of my fight or flight response is my two-year-old child, I got some figuring out to do, right? Like I need yep. to disarm mm-hmm. this experience mm-hmm. that I'm having. Mm-hmm. And it's quite literally, if you wanted to picture it, and I love a good analogy or like metaphor is like, this fight or flight response kicks in. I'm just going to like play out a little example here. One that is readily a trigger for me is like accidental, like bumps to the space that like invade my privacy. Like I get bonked, like my toddler throws their head back and it like bonks me in the face or something. And my like Iron Man suit of fight or flight arms up right away that, that stress hormones like pump through my body. And I am like fight mode, right? There's a threat my body is perceived. And that is what naturally happens. And 
And our body reacts before our brain can catch up. So the, mm-hmm. the stress hormones are through my body before my brain can even be online. Yep. So learning to pause, ride out the stress hormone, ground ourselves and regulate is so critical so that I can see, wait a minute, I can actually, I don't need Iron Man. Let's put Iron Man suit away. Mm-hmm. This is just my helpless little two-year-old that bashed me in the face by accident. And I got to figure it away around these emotions right now. Yeah. But many of us don't have not been taught or have the skills to regulate our nervous system. It's not something that we're, you know, modeled for us, taught to us. So mm-hmm. um, as I said, when we get into these pieces, these skills are quite concrete and easy to learn and very empowering when we're working with our body instead of trying to willpower our way through this experience. Mm. Oh, I love that. So it sounds like people if throughout the course are learning quite a lot about the response, the the why, the how, the what is happening. Yeah. So they can have that context to understand their response. Yeah. So the course is actually like five modules with four to six lessons in each module. It's a pretty deep dive. It was originally structured as a workshop that was 60 to 90 minutes. And we just found that we couldn't quite cover in depth the important aspects that we really wanted to the meat of it that we really wanted to provide parents. Yeah. So it is uh, in five modules. The lessons are like around five minutes each, like really digestible for parents. And we encourage okay. moms and dads to take it together. Yeah. It's really, I would say it's one of the things that in the platform that I have and things that I've created that I'm totally most proud of. It, it was a labor of love and we're really excited to have it out there for parents. It's a really amazing resource. Yeah, it's great. And especially right now, I mean, if we can touch on uh, just for a moment, how the ongoing stress of COVID has, uh, you know, in the pandemic has I think from what I've seen anyways, make made this rage and anger even more present um, mm-hmm. because the stress is so ongoing. Yeah. yeah. Are you seeing that too? Totally. When we talk about those vulnerability factors again, and the things that play into our capacity, mm-hmm. kids being in and out of school, like my children were out of school for like four or six weeks over Christmas and into the new year. Mm-hmm. And my capacity to like, think and function had to completely shift in my expectations of myself. So there's so many things that play into what parents are trying to juggle right now, especially how the care work is disproportionately falling in the laps of mothers. Um, So we thought we were spread thin before with our invisible care work that was undervalued. And now we're expected to do uh, the impossible in a lot of ways. So it it makes so much sense that there would be more irritability and rage and frustration. And you're definitely not alone in that experience. If that's something, you know, listeners feel as well. Absolutely. Yeah. So I think the, it sounds like the way you've structured your course is especially useful now for people who are spread extra, extra thin, don't have lots of time, but are feeling like some of this is happening for them. Um, also, especially because right now the wait to see a therapist is mm-hmm. so long because the the need is so high. So this sounds like a valuable tool for people to use maybe while they're waiting for a therapist or even, and I'm just sort of extrapolating here, or mm-hmm. even that to kind of gauge where their rage is to see if they should be reaching out to a therapist. Absolutely. Like you've got uh, throughout the course, my partner, Dr. Asherina Reem, Psyched Mummy. 
and I teaching what would take, I don't even know how many therapy sessions to teach Mm -hmm. and for like an accessible price of half my hourly rate, you know? (laughs) So one of the things that is really important to me with the platform that I've built is having tools and aids and resources that feel accessible to people. Like, I don't know um, what it's like where you are in terms of access to care and um, whether it's private or public and funded and all of that. But here, mm-hmm. um, some people have benefits coverage for therapy and some people don't. And if you don't, and you're in like more of a community setting, waiting for a referral for therapy, um, like the waitlist to see a psychiatrist here is two years long. So like, Holy yeah, through our what? public system, because yes. it's so inundated with people who need care. So definitely if you're sitting on a wait list or if, you know, clients like funding is, is tapping out or, or even in conjunction with therapy as some self-guided, like self-development, it's, it's meant to, to fill some of those gaps where possible. Fantastic. So how can people find all of this information? Yeah. It's at happyasamother.co slash rage. Or if you find me on Instagram, happy as a mother, we talk about it frequently. It's linked there. I like for people to get a preview of Asherina and I before, you know, before you commit to something, you want to have like a first date and get to know someone. <laughs> I have my own podcast in which she's been on frequently and we talk about rage and we do a Q&A about rage. So you can, I have tons of free resources that you can poke around on this topic and her and I and our dynamic in order to get to know us better to decide if this is something that, you know, you're open to or would find helpful. Fantastic. So happy as slash rage slash rage. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And where can people find you on social? I am mostly hanging out on Instagram. I share pictures of my littles and stories, and that's kind of like my preferred platform. Um, and that all pushes to Facebook as well. And then weekly, I am in the ears of my podcasters sharing all kinds of really valuable content along the same vein of the type of things you cover and topics that you cover. And that's just like happy as a mother on your favorite podcasting app as well. So anywhere, just search happy as mother and you'll find me trying to branch into TikTok cat, but I got to tell you, <laughs> it's not my favorite yet, but yeah. I'm working on it. Yeah. That's a whole skill. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Great. Well, thank you so much for sharing this resource and information. I'm sure so many people benefit from this. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure to be here. All right, everyone. That was a lot of information, really helpful, very useful. I hope that you guys can seek out these resources and find the help that you need. I also want to let you know that Erica is hiring Her clinic, Happy as a Mother Wellness Center, is actively hiring Canadian PMHC licensed master's level psychotherapists. So if you live in Canada and you are a PMHC, a certified perinatal mental health psychotherapy provider, you can go to happyasamother.co slash apply and applicants are welcome from all provinces across Canada. So if you'd like to see about joining her team, go to that link. As usual here on the Mom and Mind podcast, if you know somebody who could benefit from this information, whether you know if they're experiencing rage or not, since rage is such an individual and internal experience that is not often shared, sometimes it's useful to help them by sharing information and education. 
so that they can possibly, if they identify with it, lead themselves to get services. And as usual, Postpartum Support International has a a national directory and international directory for therapists who are trained in perinatal mental health. And that resource of Postpartum Support International is readily available and has many resources like online support groups and information for families. Come connect with us at Mom and Mine on Instagram and listen to us wherever podcasts are played. Thank you so much for being with us. Until next time. Thank you so much for joining us today. Please share this podcast. Together we can support moms and families so that no one has to deal with this alone. Come connect with us at momandmind.com. Hey, are you a parent of a teenager? Are you feeling overwhelmed about how to be what they need while also holding limits and boundaries that keep them safe? Are you tired of conversations that negate how messy this season of parenting is? Well, I've got you. My name is Casey O'Rourke. I am a positive discipline trainer, parent coach, and the host of the Joyful Courage podcast. Every week I come to you with an interview, digging into tough topics with experts I trust and solo shows that go deep into the personal growth and mindset needed to raise teens in a way that grows them into confident, capable young people. I am not afraid of getting real about the intersection of conscious parenting and the teen years, while also bringing in vulnerability, humor, and lightness. I'm walking the path with you and honored to serve. Listen to Joyful Courage on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you consume podcasts.